Amen. You be seated. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, you can find your place there in Acts chapter 1. And um, mark it, hold on to it, look this way. Uh, 143 years ago, you do the math, you know what year that was? That was 1880. 1880. Not many of you in this room remember that year, I'm sure. Uh, I had to read about it, believe it or not. I know you look old, but not that old. This 1880, you know what happened in that year? The first electric street light was installed in Wabash, Indiana. The very first one. University of Southern California. Southern Cal, University of Southern California opened its doors for the very first time. Southern Cal had 54 students and 10 faculty. In 1880, the first cash register was patented. In 1880, Thomas Edison tested the very first electric railway. In 1880, Helen Keller was born. The Chicago White Stockings won the baseball pennant that year over the Cincinnati Reds. James Garfield was elected president. A lot of different events that happened in 1880. I believe the most significant, longest lasting, eternal impacting event happened in November of 1880. In November of 1880, 10 people, three men and seven women met in the basement of the Methodist Church in downtown Watkinsville and it became the First Baptist Church of Watkinsville. The Methodist Church in Watkinsville was very gracious. They allowed Watkinsville First Baptist Church to meet in their building once a month for corporate worship. Then they became even more gracious. They allowed Watkinsville First Baptist to meet twice a month in their facility. Eventually in 1908, Watkinsville First Baptist built their first standalone structure and that building is still standing just off of Main Street in downtown right across the road from Revival Baptist Church and um, in 1970 the Watkinsville Baptist Church relocated way out in the country at the uh, intersection of Norton Road and Simonton Bridge Road where we are today not quite so far from town as maybe it seemed uh, 50 something years ago Um, so 1880 that happened that means that I want to invite you to a birthday party all right I want to invite you to the 150th birthday party of Watkinsville Baptist Church in the in November of 2030 all right you got seven years to get it on your calendar all right the only good excuse for you not being here in November of 2030 for a birthday party is that you are occupied in heaven, all right? That's the only good excuse. Uh, everybody else, be here in November of 2030, and we'll celebrate 150 years as a church family. Well, what do we do until then? What do we do until then? Well, what do we do for the next seven years what is it is that would be our next what are we going to do as a church and that's what I want to answer for you today I want to address this and 
and put some things in front of you and then over the next couple of weeks hang even some more specifics about how we would uh, live our life as a church and go about doing what God would have us to do. Now let me back up just a little bit, not all the way to 1880, let me back up to 2005. Uh, 2005, Carla and I had been here for five years by that time as your pastor. And in 2005, we worked our way through the Old Testament book, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, uh, through the book of Numbers. There might be a few people in the room that still remember working through the very exciting book of Numbers. Uh, we, um, it actually is a, a, a really amazing book. In that time, we came out of that study and we formed a group of people, of men and women, that we called Caleb's Eyes. And the reason was, is because in the book of Numbers, uh, Caleb and Joshua and some others went to the land that God had promised the children of Israel. And he told them to spy out the land, see what was there, what it would take for them to live there, and come back and report to the people. And those spies came back and there were... The great majority of them said there's no way there are giants in the land. We, it's beautiful, but we cannot ever live there. Caleb believed they could. And by the time you get to the end of Numbers, Caleb is blessed by God because in his old age, God says, you have followed me with your whole heart. And in that time, around 2006, as we talked about having the eyes of Caleb to see what God would have us be in the future of our church. Remember, all the way back in 2006, uh, we grabbed a hold of that word wholehearted. And you walk into this place today, you walk in this little corridor out here, and you see the word wholehearted in front of you, on the wall, painted there. Hide that word, get there. Of all the words in the world, why did we choose wholehearted? What's the history there? Uh, it came out of that study through the book of Numbers. And we said, that's who we want to be. We want to be wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. We don't want to be half-hearted. Uh, we, we don't want to be casual. We don't want to be complacent. We want to be a group of people. As we come together with our whole heart, we want to follow Jesus Christ in every area of our life. And so we grabbed a hold of that word. We put together a mission statement. And we said, this statement puts in one sentence who we believe God wants us to be and shows us what we believe God wants us to do. Now, we've shortened that a little bit lately. But let me read to you just that one sentence from all the way back in 2006. And it was this, inspired by God's love, our purpose is to reflect his glory by presenting Jesus Christ to all people and leading those who believe to be wholehearted followers of him. That sentence lies in the background of everything that we do and everything that we are as a church. We want to bring glory to God. We want to present Jesus to people as people believe. We want to help them become wholehearted followers of him. Now we've shortened that down. Yes, in some ways, like we want to short enough to get on a t-shirt or something and we just say our mission is to make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ but what we believe is is the way we bring the greatest glory to God is by people being wholehearted in the way they follow Jesus Christ and so that's our purpose that's our mission and when you walk into this room it's not always been like this uh, let me let me 
just a little bit of participation, a little bit of a, a test here. When you started attending Watkinsville, this room was already here. Now, when you started attending, this room was already here. Is that any of you? So some of you started attending, this room wasn't here yet. But when you started coming to worship here, this was the spot that you would come to worship. I want you to stand for me right now. Would you do that? Are you going to look around and see if there's anybody? But there is. All right. When you started coming here, this is the room that was here. All right. Look around. I hope you would see how empty this room would be if you weren't here. Those of you that are here and were here, would you give a wel Watkinsville welcome to those that have come? Y'all be seated. What I want you to see is, is that all of those of you, the majority of this room that stood, it hasn't always been just this room. Uh, there, there was a time where that building with the steeple on it and, and that we call the chapel wasn't there. Uh, there was a time that people who were worshiping here uh, knew this property when nothing was here. There was a time where many in this room would come to worship service in the metal building right next door here that we called the Life Building that is now the Student Center. Uh, we've, we've been a part of different emphases and seasons where we've said all the way back in the early, 10, 000, in the early 2000s, it's all about life. And out of that we renovated the uh, current chapel, made it look new, then we built the Life Building and and began to use that building. Then there was a time where we talked about generations. And, and this was just kind of guiding our thinking. And we said what we're about is reaching all generations. And especially a future generation. And we began to build some things that we thought would have a big impact on our community. Our families and children that weren't here yet. And we built what we call Watkinsville. If you came in from this direction that I'm waving right now, you walked through Watkinsville. We were real ingenious and took the N out of Watkinsville and added a D and waboom. I mean, there it is, Watkinsville. And, and, uh, and we, we built that facility in a time, an emphasis that we were calling generations. In fact, I wrote a letter to our church right before we started to build and I want to read a portion of this letter to you, not for you to memorize, but for you to kind of just get the tone and the tenor of what we were thinking about uh, back in before 2010. It says, every generation, dear church family, every generation is known for something. This is true for a nation and it is true for our church. The WFBC family has a history that stretches across three centuries in which many decisions have been made affecting how it would reach the next generation for Christ. Some of these decisions include an initial gathering in 1880 and the construction of the first sanctuary in 1908. There were decisions that led to relocation to Simonton Bridge Road in 1970 and then a 400-seat sanctuary in 76. And most recently in 2004, the multi-use life building was added these repeated steps of faith have led to countless stories of changed lives. Our generation is now at another great moment of decision. We live in a growing community where many still need the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Our facilities are maxed 
not only to their normal capacity, but also to their creative capacity. We are using closets for offices, hallways for classrooms, and a gym for worship space multiple times over. Our Generations campaign will address these needs. As we celebrate what God has done in the past, we must now give our greatest attention to a generation of people yet to know Christ. While we move toward adding new ministry space, I ask you to keep in mind the fact that we are not building for those who are already here. Our sights are set on those still to be reached. Our proposed plan, when complete, will give us room for weekly ministry in the lives of families, students, and people of all ages for years to come. That was 2006, and there was much more to do even after that. Always, when I think about the creative use of space, I'll never forget the night in this room, because so many of you weren't here then. I always want to tell this story, just kind of keep it in the, uh, in the mix of our history. I walked in on Wednesday night. We were doing Awana on Wednesday nights at that time, and part of Awana involved a uh, puppet show. And there would be a part of the lesson that would be taught through puppets. And I walked into the lobby of the, current, the chapel in front of me here. And when I walked into the lobby, I saw everyone, this particular age group, about three rows deep in a half circle, all gathered around the door of the men's restroom. And as a pastor, I, that made me very curious what was happening. And I'm looking at the at the men's restroom and I'm seeing all these people just huddled just staring there at the doorway of the men's restroom and I looked a little closer and there was a curtain halfway up of the men's restroom and there were puppets behind uh, that little curtain of the men's restroom and they were using the men's restroom as the staging area for the puppets and all the kids were right there in front of the puppet show happening in the doorway I mean, it was tight around here. You get my drift? I mean, it, we were doing anything and everything we could to just, if there was a spot, we were putting people there. There was a day, some teenagers uh, may not know this, there was a day we'd pull a yellow bus up out here at the curb beside the Life Building, and all the teenagers would get on the bus, and we would take them downtown to town center, and there's a third level there, and our Sunday morning youth group would meet in the top of that town center, and then we'd bus them back here. We're just out of room. Just tell you those things to let you know that where you sit right now is not always the way it's been. There's been a lot of things that have happened over the years. Most recently, in 2018, we were a part of something called the Going Challenge. The Going Challenge led to the building of this building, the building of 10 preschool classrooms. In fact, there were seven things that were a part of what we called the Going Challenge. You'll see this brand here, the word going, the minivan there, and the O. And, and there were seven things that were a part of that beginning in 2018. And, and listen to these. We'll build a culture of prayer and evangelism. Secondly, we're going to love our community through ministries of compassion. We're going to revitalize dying churches. We're going to plant new churches. We'll work to engage an unengaged people group. We'll maximize our ministry space and we will fund the vision of what we're talking about financially. And, and as we talked about the going challenge, we, we prayed about it, we gave to that, especially we started praying about church planning, we started praying about an unreached people group, 
And, and now this building is built, we're meeting in it, and we're seven years away from being 150 years old. 2018 is now five years past, and you say, what now? Is there a new word, a new emphasis? Well, I wanna, I'm, I'm excited to show you this morning uh, a, new, a new brand, a new graphic, a new word. You ready? It's very profound. Here it is. <laughs> I stayed up all night working on that, all right? Seriously, that's, that's what we're saying. What we realize is that what we were talking about in 2018 was not just some uh, outlier. It was not just some tangent that we got off on. But what we started in 2018 of letting the Great Commission be the going challenge, we saw last week that the Great Commission is still active. It's still given to us for us to still be a part of. And what we need to keep doing is not invent something new or come up with some kind of new passion, but we need to just keep going. We need to still go. And when you look at this, if you have the last, the older image still in mind, I, I would just point out, I mean, you can see we've added the word still. A couple of other things that we say are different in this picture is that the map and the scenery is in a little different place. Uh, we just, we've, we've been on the road. We've been going for five years, and maybe the only other difference would be the van that's in the middle of the O is fully electric now, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> That's a joke, all right? Just a, an attempt to wake you up. We'll say it's a hybrid, okay? It's, it's it'll, a little gas, a little electric uh, to, to, to fit our day. But I want you to look in Acts 1 and see why this is biblical. I want you to see why it's biblical. We finished the Gospel of Matthew. We saw that Jesus is king. He lived. He died. He rose again. He's coming again. And, and where, do we, where do we go to from the Great Commission? You, you go to the book of Acts. And the New Testament book of Acts tells us how this kingdom of God, how the gospel advanced, how the church was born. In Acts chapter 1, you have the whole gospel summarized. Luke is writing to a friend named Theophilus. And look in verse 1 of Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, he's actually referring to the gospel of Luke. In the first book, or in the book of Luke, you could say, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. He just summarized the whole gospel. All that he taught until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the, and say it with me out loud, speaking about the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was teaching. And it goes on, and you, you have in Acts 1-8 this, this, uh, the, the map of, of where the kingdom of God was to be proclaimed. It said in your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And what would they do with the Great Commission? Go to the last chapter of the book of Acts. Acts 28. Just fly through the book. Acts 28. All the way to the end. 
By the time you get to Acts 28, and Jesus has said, Be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Chapter 2 of Acts, the Holy Spirit falls on the believers. They go out in power and boldness, and they proclaim the kingdom of God and good news in Jesus Christ. They, they, they move around, and there are miracles done, and people hear the gospel, and people believe. You have the account where 3,000 were added to their number in one day. You have a point where they said, and now 5,000 believe and have been added. Then a man by the name of Saul, who became known as Paul, he had been persecuting the church, trying to kill the church, trying to get rid of believers. He was converted to Christ, got a new name. He was commissioned by the church at Antioch, and he and Barnabas went out taking the gospel to places where they had never heard it before. And then... He makes three missionary journeys, comes back each time to Jerusalem and gives a report on what has happened. And now in the last chapter of the book of Acts, Paul is in Rome. And look at the very last two verses of this book that tells about the birth of the church and the advance of the kingdom. Acts 28, verse 30. He lived there, Rome, He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It's like you really, instead of putting a period right there at the end of the book of Acts, you really could put punctuation-wise just dot, dot, dot. Because from that point on, right down to where you and I sit today, is what happened beyond the book of Acts. And we're here today talking about Jesus, singing about Jesus, because some people took serious Jesus' commission to go make disciples of all nations. And one of those nations at the time was not the United States of America. You and I have been benefactors of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, the obedience to the great commission led to us being here right now and so what do we do from this day forward we do exactly what our spiritual ancestors did we keep going we keep telling people about Jesus you want your kids to know about Jesus you want your grandkids to know about Jesus you want the people that live in this community and beyond to hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can spend eternity with him and know him and worship him and fulfill what they were made for and so we keep on going well what I want to do is just for us practically show how we can keep fulfilling the Great Commission. How does the Great Commission for you, um, how do you walk it out? I don't know, sitting in this room this morning, if you feel like somebody just watching or if you feel like you belong. I hope every single one of you would feel like you belong, that you're a part of the mission that you're, a, you're here not by accident or coincidence, but you're here because God is up to something and he wants you to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission through the witness of Watkinsville. And what would that look like over the next few years? Probably as we get to 2030, it gets a little more vague, it's a little more easy to see over the next year, over the next two years, the next three years. But 
I want to give you five major pieces here that just say, here's where we're going. These are the stops. And let me say before I give you these five, that because I talk about these five things doesn't mean that we're going to stop a bunch of things that we already are passionate about. By that, I mean we have values. And just because I might not mention something that falls in one of those categories of our values doesn't mean we're doing away with those things. Our values are the Word of God, relationships, multiple generations, and living on mission. Just take one of those, uh, the Word. We're, we're, we're going to continue to be a let's open our Bibles church. If you're in a group, it's going to be let's open our Bibles group. Uh, take relationships. We're... we're uh, we're passionate about people being connected in close relationships with other people. Think about generations. We, we want to reach college students. We want to reach teenagers. We want to reach children. We, children. We, we want to reach young adults. Multiple generations. Those are our values. But let me give you some specific kind of things we want to make sure we're clear on and we're giving intentional efforts toward. And here's number one. We want to strengthen as we go, we want to strengthen our culture of prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. Very similar to what we were saying in 2018. And I think that we can say over these last five years that we have seen our culture of prayer be strengthened. We want to continue that, but we also want to add to that strengthening our culture of evangelism and discipleship. What is culture anyway? Really, you know how you figure out what your culture is in your family? Are in a church or in your community culture is really these four things it's what you think about it's what you talk about it's what you act out and it's what you celebrate over those four things what you think about what you talk about what you act out and what you celebrate over those four things you want to change your culture? Start thinking about new things, talking about new things, acting out new things, and celebrating new things, and it'll change your culture. But when we think about our culture here, we want to strengthen how we think about prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. We want to strengthen how we talk about prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. We want to strengthen how we act out prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. And we want to strengthen how we celebrate prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. Three ways we'll do that. Number one is that prayer becomes the prevailing activity in every area of our church life. Prayer becomes the prevailing activity in every area of our church life. It's not just adults that have prayer nights. We want our children seeing prayer as a prevailing activity of their life. We want our teenagers seeing prayer as a prevailing activity of their life. A church as a whole, we, we say we move according to how God moves. We do what God says to do. We've asked him. We're listening to him. And even what I'm sharing with you today, all of 2022, our church leadership team, our staff, We've prayed, we've taught, we've prayed, we've talked, and what I'm sharing with you today is what we believe God through prayer has been showing us. Secondly, we want evangelism to become a focused effort, an intentional effort. We want to recognize the urgency and the responsibility. And hear this, 
and the joy of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. My guess is most in this room, the great joy of your life is knowing Jesus. You know the only, you know the only way to kind of experience anything close to being saved again is? Is to lead somebody else to be saved. For you, personally, to be able to see somebody else, maybe your son, maybe your daughter, maybe your dad, maybe your coworker, maybe your neighbor, maybe a stranger on the street in Boston, that you would be able to share the good news of Jesus with them and they would believe. There's joy in sharing our faith. Paul said in Philemon, he said, I want you to be faithful, to share your faith, to talk about what you have in Jesus so you will know all the good things you have in Christ. Here's a third. Let me say this about evangelism. We want to address this in a very practical way. And as a church family, we realize that within a 15-minute within a drive of our church, there's 100,000 people. A lot of you drove further than that. But just 15 minutes from here, 100,000 people. And over the next 12 to 18 months, we've set aside $100,000 to invest in taking the good news of Jesus Christ to our local Jerusalem. Very specific. We're working. We're praying. We plan, we're planning. We're looking at ways. One of the things that we're, I would just say in front of you is a challenge that there would be 500 people that we could have and know by name that have been personally trained and equipped and they're ready to share the gospel with somebody else where they could lead them to be saved. Imagine that every single week, 500 people going out from among us on their mind, ready and equipped to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Discipleship. That's the third thing here. Uh, we want to strengthen this culture of discipleship that leads to Christ-likeness. We want to recognize and prioritize this expectation. Every single believer in Jesus Christ would be connected in some kind of discipleship environment. No exceptions. Nobody gets a pass on being connected to other people. Nobody does Christianity isolated on an island by, the, by their self. But people connected to one another in environments and processes here that would help us grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ to become more and more like Jesus. Here's a second piece to this. We're going to love our community through ministries of compassion. Outside our walls, compassion for people in need. Compassion would be us caring for others without any strings attached, no expectation of payback in any way, but just loving people, hurting with people, seeing the needs that they have in their life, and being an equipped body of believers to help them in their time of need. How could we do that? Number one, support local ministries by providing financially and providing equipped believers to serve in those ministries. Imagine today if I stood before you and I said, hey, we want to start a, a pregnancy center. And so anybody that wants to start a pregnancy center that helps people have this new value of life, you meet us here tonight and we're going to start a new pregnancy center. Here's what I hope you would say. Doesn't our community already have a pregnancy center? 
Why would we start that over? Exactly. We have a community of multiple ministries that are doing good gospel work. And what we want to be is to be a resource of people equipped, full of the Holy Spirit, ready to go, saying, sign me up. Yes, I'll volunteer. I'll serve at the Athens Pregnancy Center. Yes, I'll volunteer. I'll serve at Mercy Clinic. Yes, I'll volunteer. I'll work with area churches together serving and feeding the hungry. And just ministry after ministry that's already happening. Hope 139, it's already happening. Uh, Homes for mothers of unwed children we don't have to reinvent something we need to be people that are equipped and ready to serve and use the life that God has given us here on this earth to do ministries of compassion in this community secondly coordinate community outreach by mobilizing one another to meet physical emotional spiritual needs in the lives of people around us what's that look like imagine the small group that you're a part of Let's say you're in a men's group and there's seven men. You meet every uh, Thursday morning at a local biscuit joint. What if the seven of you men sat there in that conversation and the question was, uh, do any of you know somebody that lives around you, works around you, that has a need? And somebody says, yeah, I know a family that has a lot of medical bills right now and I don't think they can mow their yard. Their mower's broken. And you seven men showed up at their house and you mowed their yard for them for a season. What just happened? You just mobilized as a group of people to meet some physical and financial needs in the lives of people that live around you. That's how we can love our community through ministries of compassion. Here's the third thing. Develop and implement ministry to individuals and families by providing support and encouragement for strengthening marriages and homes. Uh, We want to intentionally be involved in the years ahead to help strengthen families, help strengthen homes, help strengthen marriages, both before people are married, while they're married. We want to get involved in relationships, hopefully before the crisis arrives, and, and be there helping and encouraging and strengthening. Here's a third major category to, to still be going means that we maximize our ministry space and plant churches. We have about 20 acres here of property. That's how much property we're, we're going to have. We got a railroad track behind us. We got roads on the other three sides of us. This is our footprint. And what we believe is that we need to just creatively keep maximizing the use of our property as a tool for ministry. And eventually, in time, the, the, as we creatively use our space, we plant churches. Use our space and plant churches. There's no intent on my part for our church to be the biggest church in our community. But it is the passion of my heart that we church our community. And, and we can do that out of the life of our church where we continue to do ministry here. But we also are planting churches around us to help continue to reach and drive back lostness in our community Uh, how do we do that number one creatively use our schedule and property as tools for ministry in order to maximize our space 
The reason we do two services instead of one is so that we don't have to have a bigger building. The reason we would do three services instead of one or two is so we don't have to have a bigger building. The reason that we would change and manipulate our times in the mornings is to try to spread people out to better use our, our, our property. It's just, a, it's just, Lord, how creatively can we use our property and space to keep making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ? Secondly, plant new local churches beginning specifically with a new church plant in five points. There's not in my heart or our church's heart uh, a passion to plant a new church in Athens. There is a passion and a burden in our heart to plant a new church in the five points area of Athens. You think about five points and you think about that corner where you've got marker seven on one corner, a gas station on a corner, the running store on a corner, and the fire hall on another corner. And there's a red light there. If you could build a church that would meet every Sunday right under that red light, you just found where I'm talking about. If you get out a mile and a half from, from that red light, you're outside of where the burden and the passion is. But we believe that in that spot that it's awkward and kind of out of the local reach to get to another church where you would be saying, let's open our Bibles together and look at what God says. And we're, uh, you're going to hear more about the details and specifics of that next week as we kind of unpack what that looks like. And let me just say, this is in our DNA. It's not the first time. Uh, Calvary Church that meets on Tallahassee Road, North Avenue that meets on North Avenue in Athens, Living Hope Church that meets on Lexington Road, those three churches planted out of Watkinsville where their staff and church family and money went and they became autonomous local churches. And it's just, it's amazing to me that on this very Sunday, this morning at Living Hope, more than 400 people will gather and they will be celebrating their 10-year anniversary of existing as a local church. And here's the thing. Clap for that. That's exciting. Those 400-plus people pastored there by David Holt, that's 400 people we wouldn't have reached. It's 400 people we couldn't seat. And, and God is doing more to reach lost people through these effective local churches. And, and that's, we, we want to continue to be in on that and a part of that. Third is that we had prayerfully prepared a partner with new church plants locally. We don't know where that would be after five points, but we want to be prayerful about that, as well as planting new churches in Boston and Puerto Rico. We've been in Boston doing work for 12 years. We hope that in the weeks ahead, the months ahead, the years ahead, that Puerto Rico could also come alongside our work in Boston, and we'd see teams go again and again and again to help plant churches and meet needs on the island of Puerto Rico. And then here's the last thing under maximizing our space and planting churches. We believe that God would use our church to call out the called among us and train them up to be ready to lead and serve in ministry leadership in local churches and on the mission field. Our birthday is 2030. We'll be 150 years old. I'm praying, I'd ask you to pray with me, that at our birthday in November of 2030, we would be able to identify by name 150 people that are serving vocational ministry in local churches or on the mission field. That would be some of you 
Some of you that God would call to be a pastor. Some of you that God would call to work in children's ministry. Some of you that God would call to be a church administrator. Some of you that God would call to be on the mission field or to lead missions organizations somewhere locally or globally. We believe that God would call out those from among us to do that. Another major piece. Fourth, continue to reach the unengaged people groups of our world. We were doing this in 2018. I look over here, Stephanie, I see you sitting here. Uh, her husband, Robbie, and Jacob Furr are on their way back. I believe land tonight. Uh, they'll be on their way back from Nepal. I'm about to share with you just a portion of one of the most supernatural events that I've ever heard of in my life. Someone blind in this room receiving their sight would not be as significant as what I'm about to read to you from Nepal. You see, in 2018, we started praying, God, give us a people group we could reach. We didn't have a name. And then he gave us this name, the Bing of Nepal. We started praying for the Bing people of Nepal, not knowing who they were, where they were. We sent a team they looked around in Nepal. They had a translator. Wound up finding a village of Bing people. And this is where this report picks up. In October 2019, we reached at the end of a very long ministry day our second Bing village. God led us to a man named Chanswar, who he had prepared to receive Christ. We put an SD card in his phone with some of the Bible in his language and asked him to share his decision to follow Christ with his household and village friends. Last summer, when we made contact again with that village post-COVID, so from 2019 to 2022, we made contact again with that village post-COVID. We found him, Chanswar, we found him still believing in Christ. When he learned of our coming, he gathered a group of people for us to share Christ with and three more being believed in Christ and were born again. We came back the next day to teach them about baptism and see if any would follow Christ in baptism and they were not ready. Robbie and Jacob made contact with that village again this week, 2023, this week. And again, a group was gathered. In the middle of that gathering, while Robbie and Jacob were sharing the good news, Chanswar and one of the converts from last summer were wanting to follow Christ in baptism. So they found water, and the local Nepali translator, Ramesh, baptized them both. Once a Hindu in that culture makes that decision, it's a serious declaration of breaking from Hinduism and following the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father is drawing the being people to himself. Amen? Listen, you're talking about a people that had no gospel witness that was known. Obviously, God had worked and done something in Chanswar's life. A group of people, they weren't being baptized. And this week, we've seen them follow the Lord publicly in believers' baptism. It's supernatural. 
It's amazing. The only way you can explain it is God is up to something, doing something that get, he gets all the credit for. But we believe that that's not the last people group he would want us to reach. And so we're praying now that God, over these next few years, would help us look and listen and go toward additional unreached people groups. So how do we strengthen a culture of prayer, evangelism, and discipleship, and love our community, and maximize our space, and plant churches, and reach unreached people groups? We have to, we have to participate. We participate. All of those areas are things where I, I, don't, I can do that by myself it's us together as a body of believers and then all of us give the last piece of this is that we raise our standard of giving and address our debt we have some debt from this facility over these next seven years we want to address that get that taken care of by 2030 be debt free we want to continue to raise a standard of giving to be able to be a part of things like I've just described to you and I would ask you to look at your own life and think about your standard of giving, the resources that God has provided you, and see where you will invest those resources in places, ministries, ways, the things I'm talking about here, in an eternal way. Raise your standard of giving and participating in kingdom work. Now... I want to ask our band to come right now. We're going, to, we're going to sing a song here at the end that's a prayer. And as they're coming, let's put your Bibles away and look this way. I read recently about a restaurant called the Pancake Factory. All right? I just, I like that coming off my lips. The Pancake Factory. How many of you have ever heard of or eaten at the Pancake Factory? Anybody? Come on. Hand raised. A few of you. It's obviously for old people all right all right not many trips to Gatlinburg in this room I guess uh, the pancake factory but here's what I read about the pancake factory their lunch special do you know what the lunch special was at the pancake factory a grilled chicken sandwich with spicy Mexican sauce For real. The pancake factory where you get your grilled chicken sandwich and your spicy Mexican dressing. Somebody lost their focus. Somebody's not living up to their name. Somebody believed that what they had been doing was not good enough. For the new crowd. Watkinsville. Don't lose your focus. We're a Bible. We're a Bible factory. We are and we will be. Uh, let's open our Bible church. Let's keep the main thing. The main thing. And let's live up to our name. And don't let us, don't let me, keep me in check. Don't let us believe the lie that Jesus is not enough for this new crowd, for this new day, for this new world. 
The greatest need today is the same great need of Acts chapter 1. We're sinners in need of a Savior. And the only one there is, is named Jesus. And he died and he bore the sins of the world. And he was buried and he rose again, defeating death in the grave. He gave proof that he was alive. He ascended to heaven and he's coming back one day. And if people still today will believe and trust in him, they will have eternal and abundant life. Let's go. Let's go. Let's make sure that every day we're living for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's sing. Let's stand.